Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. We'll turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Hallelujah. Oh, I love his presence. Don't you love his presence this morning? Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture this morning. As we're in our series, Power for Purpose, this is our fourth week, and I want to speak to the idea that we need to rise into authority. We need to rise into authority. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let's go to the other side. After dismissing the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a fierce gale of wind developed, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling with water. And yet Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher! Do you not care that we are perishing? Greg, can you pull me back just a little bit in the monitors? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid. And said to another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you, Father, that it separates. And Father, we thank you that the word is good for rebuking and for edifying. And that, Father, your word is the paramount in in truth. It is the, the truth that we live by. And Father, I thank you for the anointing this morning that makes preaching easy, that I might communicate that which you would have me to say, and that, Father, when I pull my hands back, it would be evidence that you're here. It'd be evidence that your word has been preached, that there would be fruit from this message that would go beyond my life, but it would be evidence of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, have your way in this place this morning. I thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. At this point, the disciples had seen amazing miracles. They had received great teaching and they began to understand the principles that the kingdom of God operated from. That's where they're at. But inevitably, they would come to the moment where they could no longer be spectators. They could no longer just watch what Jesus was doing, but they would be challenged to begin to do what Jesus was doing. And that is the challenge right now, I believe for us, is that we have to stop watching and begin doing. You've heard it all. You've seen it all. But let me tell you, hearing is not enough and seeing is not enough. It is all occurring for one express purpose, and that is that you and I replicate what we have seen and heard Jesus doing. That we are called to be his disciples. Disciples are those who do what their discipler does. 
in exactly the same way that Jesus connected to the hurting community, so now it is time for us to do the same. And Jesus had taught and demonstrated an important principle. And this was the key for the way that he operated in the supernatural. John 5, 19, it'll be up on the screen. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. And in a similar vein, he said this in John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. So his life, the life of Jesus, was an expression of what he saw and what he heard from heaven. This church is the key for faith. This is the key for consistency in seeing miracles performed is that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He was in such relationship with the presence of the Father. He said, I only teach what the Father has taught me. I only do what I see the Father doing. He was in such close contact with the Father that everything that he did was an expression of that relationship. And so it should be for us, church, that what we do should be an expression of what we have seen Jesus do and what we've heard Jesus say. In verse 35, Jesus made his call clearly known. He said, let us go to the other side. He said, let us cross over. They had heard the will of God. He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. They had heard from heaven, and then in the midst of their journey, this gale arises. That word gale in the Greek is the equivalent of a tornado on the water. So here they are crossing over. We have hardened, experienced sailors. These are the fishermen of fishermen. They've been through it all. So there had to be some fierce storm for them to be afraid. This had to be a storm of of, uh, exponential proportions. I just said that wrong, but I had something in my head didn't come out of my mouth. This was something that they had never experienced before. This was something new to them. This was a storm they had never faced before. And I think so many of us in the last couple of years have faced storms we've never faced before. We've had to come face to face with things that we've never wrestled with before. We'd gone, see, for these fishermen, they were used to storms. They knew what it was like to be out on the sea and to experience some storms, to experience some waves, to experience some, some winds. But this was a gale they had never experienced before. It was unprecedented. And I think in our country, in our lives, in our political arena, we are facing things in our nations that we've never faced before in our generation. Previous generations have experienced the government shutdowns and the control and the manipulation, and they're warning us, saying, watch out for this, but we're not listening. We're just saying, okay, just keep doing it. That's another topic for another day. They're out in the water. This is dangerous. This is life-threatening. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. How? Who knows? That's a miracle in itself. No, I'll tell you what. Listen, I love turbulence on planes. It puts me right to sleep. Give me some turbulence. It'll rock me like a baby. 
There can be people around me screaming and hollering and I'm snoring away. And here's Jesus. Why? Because he was called to the other side. There's no turbulence in the skies that's going to keep me from getting to where I'm going. He was asleep in the boat. And in fear, they wake him. And there's a touch of criticism in what they say to him. Teacher, rabbi, do you not care that we are perishing? Are you so heartless that you're napping while we're drowning? And Jesus gets up, rebukes the storm, and it calms right down. See, I don't like to be woken up from a nap. So Jesus is taking a nap here, and they criticize him. Do you care that we're not perishing? Now, this is Jacob's version of what I see happening. (sighs) Shut up up and then the storm stopped he was kind of talking to the disciples in my mind but he rebukes the storm in the in his shut up so the storm stops and then they're like who is this that even the wind obey him so jesus then turns and he states a maddening issue he says to them why are you afraid do you still have no faith Do you still have no faith? That attitude only entrenched further fear into the disciples. It says, and then they were very much afraid. Why did Jesus treat them this way? They were perishing. They were full of fear. And yet, what does he do? He doesn't come for them. Oh, it's going to be okay. It's all okay. Shh, guys, it's okay. I'm right here. Everything. Are you still lacking faith? Here, the loving Savior, the compassionate one. And really, quite frankly, we would say he was being unloving. I think too many times in our culture, we we want people to pacify our fears and and comfort us in our fears. It's going to be okay, baby. It's going to be just just come here, lay on my chest. Be like John the Beloved and cuddle up and it's going to be okay. No! When are you going to grow up? Is what he's saying to them here. Because here's the issue. They had been given an opportunity which they had missed. You see, they knew the will of God. They'd heard from heaven. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And the Father saying, let's go to the other side. Let's get to the other side. So there was no doubt as to the will and the purpose of God. And the result was that the expectation was that now, knowing God's will, that they would use their own authority and deal with the problem. Jesus was presenting to them an opportunity to grow up in their faith and their authority. Jesus was quite happy asleep. He already had the heavenly perspective. I'm getting to the other side, so I'm going to take a nap. And he had communicated it to his disciples. We're going to the other side. I'm going to go take a nap. And all they had to do was pray in relationship to that perspective. All they had to do was turn to the storm and say, be quiet. My Savior's asleep in the bottom of the boat. And we've got to get to the other side. We don't have time for this tornado. This storm can't bother me. Instead, what did they do? And this is going to mess with some theology this morning. It's going to step on some toes. Rather than praying to the storm and rebuking the storm, they prayed to Jesus. We need to get that. They prayed to Jesus in that moment. Now, for those who will take this out of context, I'm not saying not to pray to Jesus. Let's make that really clear. 
Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. But how many times do we come to Jesus? Lord, I'm in trouble. Help me, Jesus. There's a terrible storm around my life. Lord, please, please move to deliver me, Lord. Lord, I'm desperate for you to intervene. Don't you know that I'm perishing? Isn't that what they did? See, when we're young in our faith, immature in our relationship with God, that's okay to pray that way because we're learning our authority. We haven't seen much. We haven't been around Him much. But listen, even when we're more mature in our faith, there are times that we pray help. And that's okay. But what I'm saying is at some point, we've got to move into authority. At some point, we've got to grow up. At some point, we've got to take a stand because here they knew the will of God. They knew where God was taking them and there was a mountain in their road, in this case a tornado in the middle of the sea. And yes, they, but they, they had no obstacle to the will of God because the will of God will carry you. But to them it was big. They knew the will of God. And when the storm is still, Jesus turns and asks that piercing question, do you still have no faith? After all this time of me teaching you, after all the parables you've heard, after you've seen all the miracles of all the supernatural occurrences, have you learned nothing yet? Jesus was patterning for us what it meant to walk in right relationship with the Father. So what was the issue? They prayed in the wrong direction. They prayed to Jesus instead of at the storm. They failed to see the opportunity presented to them to rise up in faith and spiritual authority and exercise that spiritual authority against the obstacle in their way. Here was an opportunity for them to exercise authority and faith and it was Jesus' expectation that they would do just that. Instead, they prayed in the wrong direction. They should have prayed against the storm. And Jesus had deposited into them, get this this morning, the heavenly perspective. Go to the other side. He had already said what the will of God was. We're going to the other side. I love the story of Brother Andrew. He has this, uh, he, I believe he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he, he carried around a picture, a Polaroid in his jacket pocket for years. And when he'd pull it out, it was a, a VW van that had hundreds of bullet holes all through it. And he said, I was driving that. There is no way that Brother Andrew should have survived. But he said this. He said, see this? There's no bullet in hell that has my name on it if it hasn't gone through my father's hands. There is no bullet in hell. You need to get that this morning. There's no COVID. There's no disease. There's no financial trouble. There's no inflation. There's nothing that has your name on it. When God has given you a directive, get to the other side. Hear that, Owen? God has said Southern Dairy will prosper. There's nothing in hell. There's no government shutdown. There's no New Zealand shutdown. There's no inflation. There's no dairy rules that are in your way when God has said, get to the other side. You hear that, Shelly? I don't care that fibromyalgia hit you 21 years ago. Your time is up, fibromyalgia, because God has called you to get to the other side. It's time for the spring chicken to arise in you again. Start flapping your wings. Start running. This is a prophetic word. You hear that, Mama B? There's no devil in hell that has Brian's name on it. Brian's coming into the kingdom. Brian's coming home. He's going to get saved. 
James and Damien are going to serve the Lord. There's no devil in hell that has their name on it because God has called them. It's time equipping church. Get to the other side. I don't care what they said, Karen. There's a baby coming on the other side. There's a baby coming on the other side. We rebuke the storm. Hallelujah. Get to the other side. It's time to grow up. It was their moment to grow into faith and maturity. What happened? They missed it. They missed it. They missed their moment. You see the storms, either something to shrink back in, uh, from in fear or rise up in authority. Stop getting afraid of your storm. Stop getting afraid of the symptom. Stop getting afraid of what's going on. Stop looking at the circumstances and start rising up in authority. Friday morning, I woke up with the worst migraine. Worst migraine. I'd been delivered of migraines. And I woke up and I had to wrestle in authority, wrestle in faith. I was saying to that migraine, no, you're not my portion. I'm not going to just take it. I'm not just going to sit back and take it. I'm not going to lay back. I was so sick, y'all, trying to get in my car to go to work Friday morning. I was almost pulling over to throw up because the pain was so bad. The nausea was so bad. But I kept saying, no, you're not my portion. I don't care what happened to me. I don't care the trauma that I went through. This cannot manifest in my body. I'm a child of the Most High God. We've got to start rising up in authority and stop letting the devil surround you with storms. Tell the storms to shut up and go back to hell from whence they came. You see, the storms we can either shrink back from in fear or rise up in authority against. If but for a moment we could wait on God for His heavenly perspective, you would quickly find the storms of life are only an obstacle to the work of extending the kingdom in and through your life. Storms are only an obstacle. Storms shouldn't bother you. But I think so many times, oh no, another storm. Jesus, help. And you've been serving God for 30 years and that's still your response after you've seen all that He's delivered you from, all that He's brought you through, all that He's taken you out of, all the demons He cast out of you, all the things He delivered you from, the situations that He changed, how He delivered you, and you're still begging God when He already did it. You need to rise up. It's time to grow up into the kingdom of God and walk in the authority. Stop paying attention to the storm. You've got Jesus in your boat and here's the reality he's going to the other side you're going to the other side so stop doing what you've been doing and do what he's called you to do turning your bibles to matthew 28 turning your bibles to matthew 28 verse 18 and jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Last week we looked at why and how that had happened. How Jesus had vanquished the devil by taking back the keys of the kingdom from Lucifer the devil, which he had manipulated from Adam and Eve. That up to that point Jesus did not have all authority. 
But at that point, the domain of the earth was under the devil's authority. But having died, he was able to arrest back those keys. He went into Hades, unlocked the righteous saints from their enclosure in Hades, took them out of their graves, and then eventually into heaven. And then he says, all authority. All authority. He's taken back the keys. He's restored the mandate to rule back to the descendants of Adam and Eve. That's you and I. So the implication here is simply this. All authority, go therefore. All authority, go therefore. The implication is this. The authority has now been given back to us, kingdom authority to establish kingdom rule. Kingdom authority to vanquish the devil's authority. Kingdom authority to extend kingdom influence on this earth. Kingdom authority to speak to the tornado on the water. Peace be still. Kingdom authority. And it is you and I that do it. We do through people coming to Christ through us. Through praying for the sick and seeing them healed. Through bringing encouragement to a person imprisoned by fear. Through being a minister of life to a person dying in their hearts. Now listen, I I followed some of those rules about wearing masks. I got a vaccine. Some of you aren't going to like that I got a vaccine. I don't care. But here's the deal. I did not do it out of fear. Nothing I do can be motivated out of fear. I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of disease. I'm not afraid of lack. Why? Because all authority was given to Jesus who handed it to me. And here's the deal. If we're hiding away, we shut down the church for nine weeks in 2020. But you know what we did? We took advantage of that and tore down a wall. We've shut down a couple times. Because why? We want to protect people. We want to use wisdom. But here's the deal. Our desire to protect people cannot be enshrouded in fear. The church should be able to stand against COVID. The church should be able to stand against a plague on the earth. And there is a balance that we must find in using wisdom from a heavenly perspective. What is the word of the Lord? Just because some doctor tells me this is what it's supposed to be doesn't mean I have to listen to it. What is the heavenly perspective? Everything I do must be from what the Father is doing. So for me, the Father said, go get the vaccine. For other people, the Lord spoke to them and said, don't get the vaccine. Was one right and one wrong? No, absolutely not. Because there's not a scripture that dictates one way or the other. I think for too long we have majored on the minors and minored on the majors. And we have whole segments of Christianity split over vaccines and masks and shutdowns and this and that. Let's preach Jesus. I listened to someone last week who did a whole... Oh, I didn't listen to the whole thing because I gave up after 15 minutes. The whole thing was on why wearing a mask is the gospel. No, wearing a mask is not the gospel. It will never be the gospel. The gospel is preach the kingdom. Now, if you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. I wear it when I go in the store sometimes. I don't wear it when I go in the store sometimes because I'm listening to what the Father is doing. Wisdom is doing what the Father is doing. We've got to get this. But when Jesus says, go to the other side, storm of COVID, shut up. I'm going to the other side. 
Political unrest, I'm going to the other side. The person I wanted as president isn't president, I'm going to the other side. It doesn't matter. I upset someone this week. I said, I'm kind of happy that Biden's president. Their jaw, it was like they, it hit the floor, their tongue rolled out, and they couldn't get it back. And they said, why on earth would you say Because it's woken up a sleeping giant called the church who recognizes they grew comfortable on the last president. But let me tell you, even if Trump got reelected in 2024, it wouldn't change anything because the church has to still be the church. That's the reality. For centuries, the church has had to be the church under godly rulership and ungodly rulership. Whatever we do has to be the kingdom. Okay, I'm moving on. So how should have the disciples prayed? Lord, we stand against this already. We, I'm sorry, we stand against the storm in Jesus' name and rebuke it now. All it was was an obstacle standing against the already established heavenly will of God. They missed the lesson. Rise to your own authority. And instead, they reverted back to the immature pleading for help. And every believer stands at that position. Rise in faith. Come against the mountains that are obstacles to the work of the kingdom. Take the power given and exercise the power against the mountains so that the work of the kingdom and all obstacles are removed. You have authority. The believer has authority. Let's see it in this application. 1 Peter 5.9 But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I'm going to read it again. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. Guess what? You're not the only one suffering. I think sometimes we get this complex. You just don't know my life. Gloom, despair, misery on me. We just walk around with this idea that I'm the only one suffering in the world. Resist him, who? The devil. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished. What does that say? Being accomplished. Suffering is an accomplishment. Why? Because we resist him. Because we're firm in our faith. I love what it says about Joseph. It says, Joseph, though he was attacked, though he was abused, though he was thrown in a pit, stood strong, knowing, knowing that his destiny was ahead of him. He was firm in his faith because he had a word. He had a dream in his heart from childhood of where God was taking him. So he let himself be abused, misused, lied on, cheated on. All of it happened, but he didn't grow bitter. Oh, they just treated me bad. Do you know what they did to me this week? It says he was thrown in shackles and beaten. Here he was, a young kid, hated by his brothers, thrown into prison. Sold off to slave traders. All that happened to Joseph. But at the end of that story, he says, God ordained this so that I could go ahead of you. So that I could prepare a place that when the famine came, I'd be ruler over Egypt so that you would have a place of safety. 
Stop looking at your trials as though they're from the devil and start recognizing that God's in your boat and he's taking you to the other side and the things that you go through are to prepare you for a place so that you might bring others to freedom. Hallelujah. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. We do it, we pray it, we direct it against the devil. So I want to give you some keys this morning to develop confidence and authority. That was just the introduction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, Super Bowl doesn't start till 530. Y'all are good. And there's no one to watch anyways. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a great game. Mark 9. This is the first key. Mark 9, 16 to 18. Mark 9, 16 to 18. See, if your team were playing today, you wouldn't even be here. You'd have to be preparing everything. You'd have to repent later for idolatry. Mark 9, 16. And he asked them, what are you disputing with them? And one person from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son because he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. And I told your disciples so that they would cast it out, but they could not do it. There's a problem here, which Jesus quickly sorts out the situation by casting out the demon. Jump down to verse 28. And when he came into the house, his disciples began asking him privately, why is it that we could not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything except prayer. I know some translations say prayer and fasting. The closest here is, but prayer. Does he mean that his disciples didn't pray enough? Maybe pray for the boy another half hour. Maybe you need to, to set aside a special time and pray for three more hours. No, that's not what he's saying there. Maybe some more time praying about the problem, getting direction from God, and then have a good, another go. No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. This is what I think he means. See, my, my confidence level when I pray for people is enormously higher when I've had time with the Lord throughout the week. When I've spent enough time with the Lord and I've had ample amount of time in his presence, my confidence level is a lot higher because I'm just in touch with God. But when I have not had the time, spending the time in the Word, regularly praying, my confidence level drops by huge amounts. And what Jesus, I believe, was simply saying, when you spend time day by day with me in prayer, and when the moment comes to deal with problems in the Spirit, you'll already be confident and ready. Because Jesus doesn't pray nor fast in this moment. He just casts the demon out. Why? Because he'd already prayed. He had already been in fellowship with the Father. It was already his lifestyle. He's saying some of these don't happen except by lifestyle is what he's saying. We can't just come up to big things and know that we're going to have it happen if we haven't been spending time. That's why Jesus said to them, you still have no faith? You've had all this time with me. You've had all this observance and yet just a storm comes and all of a sudden you're lamenting and you're blaming me see authority flows out of daily relationship with God now there is no formula for that 
I've heard people preach, oh, you have to get up at 5 a.m. every morning, and you got to pray in tongues for two hours, and then you got to read 17 scriptures in this order. Literally, I've heard people say that, that there's some formula. If I got up at 5 a.m. and said to Anna, let's talk, she would punch me in the face. Especially right now, because she's probably been up from 2 to 5 with Everett. But if I got up at 5 a.m. every morning and said to Anna, hey, we need to talk. And then the rest of the day, I didn't talk to her. And I said, I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 5 a.m. How healthy would my marriage be? I wouldn't have one. I'd be dead. (laughs) Y'all would have to come pray for resurrection. But how often do we treat our relationship with God like that? I'm going to get up at 5 a.m., do my devotional. My little devotional is probably not even theologically correct, but that's another topic. And then I'm going to force myself to act spiritual. All the while I'm thinking about everything that I've got to do. And I'm thinking about everything on my list. And, oh, is it 7 o'clock yet? Because I've got to get ready for work. I've got to put on two hours of makeup so I can look good when I go to the office today. None of y'all. That doesn't apply to anyone in this room. But that's how we treat our relationship with God. And then we come to church on Sunday because we're going to tick it off, right? I've come to church, got my thrills, my chills, feel good about it. And then I'll start over on Monday. Oh, and then this is what happens. Oh, I missed devotional on Tuesday. Now I don't feel good enough. Now I missed devotional on Wednesday. Now I really, I'm not even going to go to church on Sunday. Because our relationship was based on a formula. And we develop a relationship based on what we think we have to do rather than actually having relationship with the Holy Spirit. See, all day I'm with the Lord. Now, here's the other thing. Because I think we, 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 we do this as well. Is that sometimes we're like, well, I pray all day. If I went about my day talking to Anna while I'm doing 500 other things and I didn't have set aside time, our relationship wouldn't be healthy either because it's both and it's the relationship throughout the day and set aside time where I'm fellowshipping with his word. I'm fellowshipping in worship. One of the things I often ask people when I'm doing counseling with them, what's your worship like? Do you actually have time where you just worship the Lord? Do you have time where it's not the Bible? It's not prayer. It's actually adoration. If you don't have that, you need to. Because if you're just praying and doing your Bible reading, you're not actually beholding him. And who we behold, we become like. That's what the Bible says. When we behold him, we will become like him. We behold through worship. So authority flows out of daily relationship with God. That's the first key. Authority flows out of daily relationship with God. Number two, know the will of God. Know the will of God. When I know that I'm praying in God's will, then I will have absolute confidence that prayer will be answered. See, here's the trouble. Have you ever heard someone pray, God, if it's your will? That is a theologically incorrect prayer. Because you should already know the will of God when you pray. We should know, we have this confidence that when I pray, he hears me and that it's in his will. When I know that I'm praying, I'm going to say that again. When I know that I'm praying in God's will, then I have absolute confidence that prayer will be answered. Example, casting out demons. 
We know we were con- commissioned to do that. So there's no fear to cast the demons out. I don't get afraid when I'm casting demons out. Now, sometimes they do things that make my hair stand on end, and it's like, oh, okay, didn't expect that. Had one yesterday over FaceTime, and I went, oh, oh hello. <laughs> didn't expect that sweet little girl to start growling. But it happens. Was I afraid? No. Was I intimidated? No. Just a little freaked out. But then we went right back to it. Because I know the will of God. The will of God is for that person to be free. When I stand before someone, it is not God's will for someone to suffer and die of cancer. I don't believe that's God's will. I don't see that in Scripture. So when I stand before someone who is suffering and dying of cancer, I know that's not the will of God. So I can pray knowing the will of God is for them to be healed. We must develop complete confidence in the will of God over things like healing, God's provision, deliverance from demons. The Bible is so clear about these things. We need to know that it's the will of God. Here's number three. See what the Father wants to do. See what the Father wants to do. John 5, 19. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same way. The issue is not the will of God, but knowing how to pray. When we know it's the will of God for someone to be healed, it's not knowing the will of God, it's knowing how to pray for their healing. It's knowing how to pray. How does God want to do this miracle? How does God want to? Because again, it's not a formula. There is no formula for praying for the sick. There's no formula for miracles. There's no formula for any of these things. It's knowing how God wants to do it in that moment. It's coming with a sense of Holy Spirit direction to gain confidence and authority in our hearts when praying. As I close this morning, It comes down to the sense of, I've heard God in this because I'm in relationship. See, I think too many times we have to say, I need to go away and pray and get the will of God for this. Yes, absolutely. There are times, especially big decisions, where we've got to go and set aside time. Right now, we're we're praying into something. and, And I have set a rule over myself. I will not release a prophetic word about this situation because I'm too emotionally attached to it. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to let God move. There are situations like that where we, we just have to let God move. And then there's situations where we stand up in authority and say, peace be still. With cancer, I know it's God's will to heal cancer. So I will continue to contend for God to heal cancer. There are certain things that we just know it's the will of God. And then there are other things where we have to seek the will of God. But how do we do that? In relationship. By seeking the Father. By being in His presence. All authority was handed to Jesus. And that authority is now given to us to operate and see prison doors released in the hearts of people. It's time we rise up in authority, church. It's time we stop slinking back because of our fear and our disappointments. You've seen God do too much. and You can't tell me you haven't. The very fact that you're alive today, you've seen God do too much. To slink back 
and be afraid of tornadoes, to be afraid of situations that are out of your control, but they're not out of God's control. God is sovereign and he's good. You got to have those two revelations together. He is sovereign and he is good. He is sovereign and he is good. When you catch that revelation, his sovereignty is in equality with his goodness. I think sometimes we focus on the sovereignty of God and forget the goodness of God. And sometimes we focus on the goodness of God and forget the sovereignty of God. But the two work hand in hand. He is sovereignly good. He's gooder than good. This morning we're going to take communion together. But before we do, I want to make sure. See, communion is reserved for those who have chosen to follow Jesus. It's an ordinance in Scripture that was given to us to observe the Lord's Supper as believers. And so if you're not a believer this morning, I want you to be. I want you to make a decision to follow Him this morning. Without Him, we are wretched sinners. That's just the reality. We're not good without Him, but He makes us good. He makes all things good. So this morning, if you've never made a decision for Christ, every head bowed, every eye closed, it's going to give you an opportunity this morning. Those watching by live stream this morning. Those watching by live stream this morning, I want, I want you to, to acknowledge your need for a Savior this morning. We all need the Savior. And this morning, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. It's not the prayer that saves you. Jesus saves you, but it's a good introduction to the Lord. A couple things in this prayer. We're going to repent. Repent means to change our mind. We're going to admit that we were wrong and recognize the need for Jesus. And then we're going to submit ourselves to his Lordship. So this morning, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I submit myself to your Lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.